Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Engagement Zone. Uh, today uh, I'm with um, who has been called the Apostle of, Pre of Appreciation, uh, the author of The Carrot Principle, uh, one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Um, and pl please welcome to the show Chester Elton. Hello. Hello, Matt. Great to be on your show. Great to hear your voice again. Great, great to hear you too. Um, I, I met I met you uh, first time in person, uh, having long since been in Amara and LinkedIn uh, around Christmas time in New York, and um, you very kindly gave me um, a, a carrot, uh, cuddly toy. I suppose is probably the best description of it that now sits upon my 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 desk at, in my home office. So thank you very much. You can never have too many carrots in your life, Matt. I'm glad you, it brings you a bit of joy. <laughs> You definitely can't, and um, uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do the podcast last week because uh, I, I was I wasn't very well uh, at the time. But I was ensconced in in orange in in your honour, uh, and I was I was dressed in Texas Longhorns merchandise. But uh, sadly, I'm just in normal boring attire today. So, um, so. Um, to 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 you and and what you're up to this year. Um, we have the pleasure of your company at our U.S. conference in New York, which is on June the 11th. Um, and at that, you'll be talking around your latest book, which I'm sure will be a blockbuster like your previous ones. And that's called Leading with Gratitude, that you've co-written with your longtime um, collaborator Adrian Gostick, I believe. Yes, and you know, we're really excited about this book, and we're excited about the timing of the book as well. You mentioned we wrote The Carrot Principle, which is one of our, our best-selling books, and a lot of great principles, a very simple premise, actually. You know, somebody on your team does something great, you notice it, you celebrate it, you give them the proverbial carrot. Well, as our work developed, you know, we got into culture. We realized that if you didn't get the culture right, the recognition didn't matter, right? And then we went into teams and so on. As our, our work evolved, we really came to the conclusion that culture really does start at the top. You know, the leader does set the culture. The way a leader performs, the way they act, the way they interact with people gives everyone else permission to do the same. So it really does start with leadership. So we took a deep dive, Matt, and we said, so what are the differences between the good leaders and the extraordinary leaders? And interestingly enough, it was never their hard skills that was the differentiator. It was always what has come to be known as soft skills. And I don't particularly like that because when you say soft skills, it gives the impression that maybe it's a nice to have rather than a must have. And yet it was really interesting that the difference between good leaders and extraordinary leaders was always those soft skills. And number one in those soft skills was how they expressed gratitude for the people that worked with them for them. Isn't that fascinating? It, it is, and it's 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 fantastic that you've you've done a deep dive and, and made 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 this uh, come to pass because I, I've definitely come a, come around to thinking that actually it starts all from the top. I used to think that it was it was bottom up, but I think as you say, the way leaders behave gives people permission to to do that themselves. Exactly, and I'll tell you what's what's very interesting is. We have the, the privilege, Adrian and I, to interview some of the most remarkable leaders we've ever known and talk to them about the power of gratitude. And every one of them, every one of them said, it's not a soft skill. It's, it's, it's a must-have skill. It's the, the soft stuff is the hard stuff because you're dealing with people. 
And the, the way that the leaders engage those people is making sure that their voices are heard, that their opinions matter. You know, we talk about a culture of gratitude, that it's a, a work group where people feel valued and rewarded when they make a difference. So there's this correlation to I've performed, someone has noticed, and they've celebrated that performance. It seems very simple, and yet it's very hard to execute. Would you agree? I, I, w I would definitely agree. I'm just wondering, without giving away the book, whether you could take us through some of some of the learnings that that, that people would find within that and, and, and learning aids, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really interesting. We talk about the gratitude gap, right? And so we, we, we did this survey and we asked managers, do they believe that they're above average in appreciating great work, right? 67% said, yes, I am above the norm. I, you know, heap praise and gratitude on my people. Then we asked their employees and only 23% agreed. <laughs> so there's this perception that we're really good at it, right? And then the reality is the perception is we're, we're not at all. So it, it's really interesting. We said gratitude is not just about giving credit where it's due. It's knowing where it's due. And that yeah. the ungrateful really suffer from that information deficit. So it, it, the, the premise of the book is that we realize there's this gap. Why? And so we took a deep dive into the data. So it, it's literally a 10-year study of a million engagement surveys. So the data is really, really, really rock solid. And we took a look and we said, okay, look, what percent of employees are completely satisfied by level of gratitude? In other words, if you got more gratitude, were you more likely to be completely satisfied with your job? And the answer was yes. There was a nice steady increase. The way increased your gratitude, you increased, you know, job satisfaction. And we also said, look, is the increase in gratitude, does it correlate with a high degree of wanting to stay? Your retention question. And again, the more gratitude an employee received, the more likely they were to stay. What was really interesting was we said, if you get more recognition, does engagement go up? And the answer was only if it's done correctly. In other words, it couldn't be general praise. Hey, you're doing a great job, Matt. Matt, you're the best. You're the tower pizza, Matt. Nobody's better than you. You're number one. You know, it had to be, it had to be frequent. It had to be specific. And it, it, it had to be done without fear, which I thought was really interesting. Does that, does that all resonate with you? It does. Um, I, I had another question, but I want to try and just want to go to the done without fear. What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, so many, one of the uh, myths, right, right? is that one of the best motivators to motivate people in the workplace is to rule by fear. Put the fear of God in them, right? right. Um, threaten their jobs or whatnot. And, and short term, that can actually have quite a, quite a significant impact. We looked at the numbers and said, look, when you feel like your job's in jeopardy, about 35% of employees said, yeah, I work hard. Or when they had a manager that was really demanding, it was about the same. It was just a little bit less than 35%. Here's where we debunk that myth is that people that felt valued and rewarded by their employer, it was 81% would work harder and do a better job. So it's this idea of frequency specificity. In other words, what did I do specifically so I could repeat that behavior? And is there a penalty behind it? No, it's given without fear. Does that make sense? It, it does. Uh, that, I, I think where I was, I was going to quickly ask a question around 
it has to be has to be done in the right way. And you, then you then you alluded to that because you're much wiser than I am. Um, <laughs> I know I know of a, a bank in in Australia a few years ago that after one of their their employee surveys, they an overwhelming response to within that was we don't really feel like you say thank you or you're, you show gratitude to us uh, as an employer. So they wrote 86,000 thank you cards. Um, now, that's an amazing undertaking, but it almost seemed like it was paying lip service to the, and to quite a serious notion of actually, <laughs> it's just more than saying thank you on a, on a printed thank you card. And I suppose I was going to delve into what's the right way, um, which you've started to do. My, my other question that kind of comes from the leading with gratitude piece and, and the importance of it is... What, one thing I've, I've loved seeing over the past, it's always been there, but technology has allowed it to, to uh, explode on a much far, a wider scale. Is, is, there a, is there a difference between leadership gratitude and peer-to-peer recognition? So is one more powerful than the other, or are they different in, powerful in different ways? Well, you know, you've touched on a, a really good subject here, Matt, and that is it really does depend. And I know that sounds like a very politician's answer, right? It depends. We, we talk about best practices in, in gratitude in tailoring the experience to the employee. So what really becomes important is how does that person want to receive that recognition? So in some cases, peer-to-peer recognition is, is more valued because your team is with you or you're working on a project. Other employees will say, look, I like the the recognition from the higher ups, not just my boss, but the the director, the VP, the CEO. So it really does depend on the expression of that gratitude, right? The idea of for some people, they don't want the spotlight. For other people, they crave the spotlight. Your job as a leader is to know the difference, is to know what's appropriate for each employee. And I think that's lost on, on people. Um, they think, look, I love the spotlight. Everybody's going to love the spotlight. You know, I love big banquets. Everybody loves big banquets when, when yeah. reality is, is much different. We're all a little different, and we all receive recognition and gratitude in different ways. Does that make sense? It does, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I, another th- every time I talk to you, I always have lots of thoughts pinging around my, my head, which is dangerous, but... Um, I suppose that you have trickle down economics. Um, whether you agree with that principle or not um, is another is another matter. But if if you get the leadership leading with gratitude right, do you, would you see that trickle down throughout the organisation to to then line managers being able to have the skills to show gratitude to, to lower level members of staff as well? If it's done right at the top, does that trickle down throughout the organisation? Yes, it does. It comes back to what we've talked about. You know, people that want to strive or have goals to become leaders, they watch the leaders in front of them very carefully, right? And the way they behave is how they will behave. So again, it comes back to giving permission. So if I see that my boss writes a lot of thank you notes, I'm more prone to write thank you notes, particularly if I've received those thank you notes. If I see that my my manager or my line manager starts every day with a team huddle and calls out very specific people and, and, and lavishes praise on them or ends every meeting on a positive note, I'm going to take note of that and say, okay, when I get to conduct the meeting, this is how it's done. So very much so. It has to start at the top. What you want is, is to get down to that peer-to-peer. I'll give you a quick example. 
Uh, Carlos Aguilera is this manager for Avis Budget Rental Car in Dallas, Texas, right? Manages three or 400 people. Well, one of the triggers that he uses to, to express gratitude is he puts 10 coins in his left pocket every day. And here's where this is going. He sets a goal to have at least 10 positive interactions with his people every day. And the way he keeps track is he moves the coin from his left pocket to his right pocket. He, he literally said, if I get to yeah. lunch and I've got eight coins in my left pocket, I'm not doing my job. So what he used is a simple trigger to remind himself to notice all the little things that are going right every day and not to just focus solely on all the things that are going wrong. Sometimes as leaders, we go, we fix problems. I'm looking for problems, right? And so we're very quick to criticize and very slow to recognize. So his trigger to help him with that is 10 pennies. Now, he's got to be with his people to do that, right? Now, he may not always be able to be with them. He may text them. He may write that handwritten thank you note and so on and so on. The point is, is that he built up a bank of goodwill with his people so that yeah. when he shows up at the airport, at the kiosk, the initial reaction is pretty positive. And so that when he has to have those coaching conversations, there's that bank of goodwill. Well, what you want eventually, right, is you want every person on your team to have 10 coins in their left pocket and look for 10 positive things every day. You can see how that ripple effect could be enormous. And see, Carlos's goal is quite simply this, that the customer experience will never exceed the employee experience. So he wants to make the employee experience as positive as possible so that when the customer comes in, you've got this culture of gratitude. People are happy to be there. They like who they work for. They trust who they work for. And that is going to flow through to your customers. It really makes per perfect sense, doesn't it? So, so, so leaders build cultures. Absolutely. And to your point, you don't want the leader to be the only one that owns the culture. You want everyone to own the culture. And so what are the little triggers that you're creating? Is it the thank you notes? Is it the, is it the coins? Is it the, you know, the, the verbal praise? So you know, as leaders, we have a, a great responsibility to set that good example. So obviously, um, we want people to either get the book at, at the GAR conference, signed by yourself, or, or to be buying it around the world. Or, and I know there's a great promotion in the airports in America where you get a, an amazing pair of socks, because um, this book will knock your socks off. Um, what, <laughs> can you give us one other little tidbit from, from the book that people will be able to learn from before, before we finish? Yeah, I've got, I've got two, actually. One is assume positive intent. And this is a wonderful attribute of great leaders. When you assume negative intent, what you do is you, you villainize the employee and you victimize yourself. In other words, they come to you with a problem and you say, how could you do this to me, right? You have now disrupted my day. You villain, I'm the victim. Whereas opposed you assume positive intent. Hébert Jolie, the gentleman who turned around Best Buy, he took over Best Buy, they were a billion dollars in debt. Now they're a billion dollars in the blind. He said, how did you do that? He said, I focused on our people. We made work purposeful, right? And he said, we assumed positive intent. What he means by that is, look, he says, I assume that when people come to work every day, they want to do a good job. And in trying to do a good job, they make mistakes. And that's fine. We can fix the mistakes and we move on. It takes the fear out of making a mistake. If you're in a fear-based culture, you make a mistake, you want to hide it, which is never a good idea. 
eventually everything comes out. So I love the attitude of assuming positive intent. You know, people are late because they got caught up in traffic or they had trouble at home. We don't assume that they're just lazy, right? And it's just a better way to manage. And quite frankly, it's a better way to live, which leads me to my next point, And that is this. At the end of the book, we have a section that says, take it home. So often we are so focused on work. We do all these best practices at work and we forget to bring it home. We leave our best self at work. And it's a huge mistake. Every leader that we interviewed for this book, and we interviewed Alan Mulally, the guy that turned around Ford. We interviewed the delightful leader, Gary Ridge, who is the CEO of WD40. I know you have a can, right? And took them to incredible productivity. They all practiced gratitude deeply in their personal lives. They took it home. They would write little love letters to their spouses. They would put little cards in their kids' backpacks. At dinner, they would have conversations around what was the best part of your day? Who are you grateful for today that's not at the table? And who are you grateful for at the table that hasn't been thanked yet? And they kept gratitude journals. And so I think we can end on the fact that, you know, there are people in the world that have real problems, you know, problems we can't even imagine. And when we look at our lives, particularly people that are listening to this podcast, and certainly you and I, we are incredibly privileged. We live incredible lives. We have clean air. We have clean water. We have jobs, right? We have food on our plates every day. And this idea of ending the day with writing down three to five things that you're grateful for. Studies have shown you sleep better, you have deeper relationships, and your optimism about life in general just goes up. My wife and I have a practice. At the end of every day, we call each other finally and we say, what are your three? What are the three things you're grateful for today? If our listeners take away that one best practice, I would be delighted because it makes for deeper relationships and just an overall better life. What do you think, man? I think, I think, that's, I think that's awesome advice. I think that's a great way to win. And I also think that if you're happening to list, be listening to this on the tube or the, <clears throat> the tube or the train, through your car and you're on your way home, then please go home and be grateful and say, and show some gratitude to your family tonight. Cause um, I think that's a great way to live your life. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing you again in New York, Chester. Um, I just wish you the very best of luck with the book. Uh, again, it's leading with gratitude. I think it's coming out. At, uh, I think it's out in March, I believe. March 3rd. Um, and you know what, Matt? We've got a great book website. It's got all kinds of fun videos of the interviews we did with the leaders. It's got fun little videos that debunk the myth. It's quite simple. It's called leadingwithgratitudebook.com. So leadingwithgratitudebook, all one word, dot com. There's all kinds of free things you can download. You can read the forward to the book by our good friend, Marshall Goldsmith. And the videos really are engaging and entertaining. I would really encourage you to go there. See what you think, and please share a little gratitude with those people that work with and for you, and especially your families. Well, we 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 will we will put that um, link on our website so people can click on that straight through to that. So that will all now be done. Um, so all all that leaves me to do is say thank you to you, Chester. Thank you, and uh, congratulations <laughs> on your book, and th thank see you in New York. You bet. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk with you again, Matt. Looking forward to the conference in May and delighted that you're feeling better. Thanks so much. Thank you. And uh, thank you to, for listening. Um, uh, really, really glad you're enjoying the podcast and we'll speak again soon. Take care. Bye bye.